Hello. I shared recently that I am undergoing cosmetic surgery later this week, and I wanted to take a minute to share a bit about my process and thinking about my decision to go through this, but also how I am talking to my daughter about it. I originally thought this episode would go deeper into reparenting, but I've decided to shelve that conversation for another time because it's a big topic. I hope this is helpful and my call at the end for feedback and guidance is genuine. So please, I'd love to hear from you. I hope you enjoy. We're going to dive right in. Self-compassion, authentic connection to others, and more importantly, yourself. Identifying your life calling and forging your own course in this life. Welcome to the Totally Fine Podcast. We talk growth, change, and overcoming challenges in both our personal and professional lives. Most importantly, we talk about moving through these processes with grace, authenticity, and maximum compassion toward ourselves. Because at the end of the day, we are all going to be totally fine. Hello, my totally fine family. I feel like it's been so many weeks since I've sat down with this mic and chatted. And there's been something on my mind that I'm really excited to broach in this forum. Now, if you follow me on Instagram, um, and if you caught this reel, you knew that I'm undergoing um, a cosmetic surgery in just a few days. So I shared last week a reel on Instagram that I'm um, I'm getting components of mommy makeover. I also shared that I hate that term. We don't need to be made over. But after having carried two children and delivered and nursed two children um, over the past five, you know, I guess four years, my son just turned four. I I take I am very diligent about how I tend to my body and my mind, my, my soul, my heart, but I, I'm very, I'm physically fit and I've been diligent about that. It's very important. I've talked about how I've suffered from very severe scoliosis since the time I was a little girl. And so I've been mindful of my physical integrity. So over the past few years, my body's come back together, but my skin has not. So other components of my body are just beyond the scope of what I can change, what's within my power to change. And so I finally realized last year, oh, or I guess earlier this year, why haven't I considered uh, a breast lift or augmentation or an abdominoplasty or a tummy tuck? And, And I realized that these are things within my reach. I can do these things. I've done the hard work, both when I created life and nurtured life and tended to my body in the aftermath. So on Friday, I'm getting those four procedures done. And something that I that I started talking about in my reel was how I'm talking about this with my five-year-old daughter. My five-year-old daughter, Kira, is an old soul. She's so tuned in. Now, I be- I'm a big believer that children are just incredibly tuned in. They're so intuitive. They know so much more than we 
than most of us think they do. And particularly my daughter, she catches everything. And I'm just, it's funny because I named her after my great grandmother and she is, she's in so many ways, my great grandmother today. So I started seeding with her this idea or this, the, the notion that I'm, I'm getting a surgery. I was, uh, I wanted to prepare her for my recovery because I'm going to be down for some time. I'm optimistic for a good, um, smooth recovery, but I know that the reality is everyone's different and we'll see how it goes, right? We're prepared for it. I've set it all up. So I wanted her to be prepared from a a kind of a practical and tactical standpoint. You know, mommy's going to be hunched over for a few days. Um, Mommy's going to be sleeping upstairs and she's going to need to stay sleeping, stay sleeping alone for some time. And we got into the why. And that's that's kind of what I want to touch on in this conversation. Originally, I thought that this would be a conversation around my dialogue with my daughter about physical appearances, and we are going to talk about that, but also um, my experience in reparenting myself. I think the reparenting conversation is actually a lot bigger than I'm going to touch on today. I I will talk about elements of reparenting in this conversation, but I, I want to shelve like the bigger notion of that for another conversation because it deserves that. It's an ongoing thing. I want to back up um, and I want to share a, a bit of my family dynamic. I should say where we live, what we look like, and why this is so uh, important to me. Uh, why conversations with my daughter about my upcoming procedure, but also just how I carry myself and how I talk about my body and my habits, my self-care habits. And yeah, that's going to be the crux of this conversation. Very off the cuff. I have not thought far too far ahead, but I did want to think about the message that I'm trying to convey. So my family, I think by now, if you've listened to some of my content, and if you follow me, um, my children have two different fathers, and my daughter's half Bangladeshi and half Russian and Greek, which is my background. And um, my daughter's, um, you know, it's funny because her father's full Bangladeshi, and I would almost say that she's like as dark as he is. He's not, neither of them is very dark, but she's markably darker than me. We're, we're like, my family's on a spectrum. It's like on a color, on a skin tone spectrum. There's, here's got the best tan. I'm next in line. And then we've got my son, Benji, who I think is, um, he's fairer than I am, but um, not as fair as dad. And there's dad. So we, we have a, a uh, not, not the full rainbow, but we've, we've, got, we've got a good range. Skin tone has been a conversation with my daughter for a couple of years. And, uh, and, and, and it's something that I sort of, I knew was going to come up. We live, we live in the San Francisco Bay Area, which generally is quite diverse. We happen to be in a pocket. Well, we, we live in a county that is quite, quite Caucasian, but actively changing, which is really, really cool. We live in San Rafael, Marin County, which is a little, it's particularly where we are, uh, where we live now is more diverse, uh, which is really great. Uh, you know, I, I guess I should go back up a little bit more. I, I'm Caucasian. I'm of European descent. I'm first generation. My parents immigrated from South America. They're of Russian and Greek descent. The way I was raised was very, I don't want to say unique because a lot of people were raised this way, but it's not conventionally white. 
as a Russian American, I grew up in a household that uh, only spoke only spoke Russian. So uh, English was actually my third language after Russian and Spanish. And when I started kin- uh, English kindergarten, I I didn't speak English. So I literally went to kindergarten not speaking a lick of English, and I had an accent for a number of years. Judging by VHS tapes that we have, I I think I had my accent until I was maybe like approaching double digits, so nine ten. Um, I think in middle school I um I sounded <laughs> I sounded um typical. I was I don't say normal, but I was really aware that I was different. I didn't look different, but I sounded different. My home was different. I bonded a lot with Chinese Americans because they had Chinese school and I had Russian school, like after school and on Saturdays. So I thought that was really cool. And so I, um, I felt very, I felt, um, kind of in between child communities. I did forge really great friendships from an early age. I also had my, you know, my English school friends and my Russian school friends, my, Russian school friends remain really, really close friends to this day, which was really cool. But I, but I bring this up because though I, I am white, I have an appreciation for feeling different. I was teased. I was that, that funny, funny Russian girl, um, which was interesting because at the time in the eighties, when I was, when I was growing up in the San Francisco school district, there were, there were a lot of, um, immigrants from the USSR. So children, my age, I I had a lot of classmates who had just come from the Soviet union. So, but that was also confusing because we had different religions. So we did things differently too. There were just, you know, as a kid, you're not aware as uh, of, of a lot of the, the detail, but the nuances are apparent. Right. So it's like, oh, but then I go to this church. Why don't you go to my church? You go to a different church. You go to a temple. So anyway, I want to, I want to, I'm going to wrap that up, but I, I want to bring it up because, uh, again, as I mentioned before, as I think about my children, notably my daughter, uh, I'm very sensitive to the, the feeling of being different and just the notion of not fitting in. And, um, where we've landed so far has been very, um, fortunate in that. My daughter attends a very diverse school. She is in a Mandarin immersion program, which attracts people who want to be multicultural or are a Chinese-speaking family, which is really, really awesome. So anyway, Kira, Kira has uh, she's made she's made myriad myriad of comments, comments where that are very matter of fact, like I'm brown. Comments like, oh yeah, I'm brown. My mom is white. Um, there was a heartbreaking moment that I haven't, um, like I'm going to share, um, I might cry. She, uh, I let her experiment with makeup because I feel like if I make it a thing, it's going to be this, um, exotic thing that she can't do and she's going to want it more. So I let her play with makeup and she, um, applied a really light, um, eyeshadow all over her face. Because she wanted to look like Taylor Swift. It took everything in my existence not to just burst into tears. Um, and kind of fighting it now because I mean I see my daughter and um I could say she's pretty objectively just gorgeous. She's just I'll say it. Like I, I knew when my ex and I got pregnant, I'm like, oh, this kid's gonna be 
she's going to be something special and in, in more ways than one. But I knew that just like she would be this really exotic, beautiful combination from, from a physical standpoint. And she is, she has no idea. I also, like I tell her, you know, I tell her, I reassure her. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to make pretty a thing, but um, I try to be really neutral about it because we also talk about what matters most, which is not being pretty, but being kind and curious and, uh, and trying to encourage a life of happiness and joy. So something that I significantly underestimated about being placed in this role where I am like a thought leader and somewhat of a, a social emotional guide of sorts um, as a parent <laughs> is how much the experience would challenge me to think about my own programming. I know that in many ways I went into it. I mean, we know what we've experienced, right? As parents, a lot of it is, I mean, yeah, we read the books and we listen to the podcasts, we have the conversations and we read the blogs, but what's most potent in us is what we experienced. And I'm going to touch on this because of how children learn, including how we learned as children. So I think it's fair to say that Uh, Again, my kids are young. They're four and five. And I would say that my parenting style has evolved a lot over that time. Uh, There was a lot of um, connection. There there was a lot of consciousness that surfaced, a lot more awareness, a lot of learning, a lot of self-discovery that's been poured into how I parent and how I want to nurture my children. So I, but I, I think it's safe to say that I led with default with my default roadmap or blueprint or the programming, you know, the things that I was told, the ways in which I was praised was what I then delivered to my children. And then over the course of uh, the past few years, through my own journey and through awareness, uh, like Dr. Becky Kennedy has been a tremendous resource for me and how I think about interacting with my children and helping and supporting my children. Uh, but I would say that certainly the arc of my parenting approach has continues uh, continues to to do its thing, whatever arcs do. I don't know why I'm brain farting right now, but um, I guess to sort of reground, I mentioned reparenting earlier and how I'm going to do a deeper dive into reparenting because this this alone, I mean, I think that it's just like such a remarkable and a not- notable mo- um, process that we can go through. And I think, I think a lot of us go through it without even like consciously acknowledging it, but effectively um, re- reparenting, whether it's done through uh, through therapy or kind of like your own subconscious work or your own kind of affirmations, whatever you want to call it, whatever the modality might be. It's a, a some sort of therapeutic process in which you work to address and heal unaddressed um, emotional or psychological issues that stem from childhood. This is kind of like a negative definition. For instance, here's here's an example. So I uh, I remember being told as a young girl by my, my parents, my grandparents, my grandma, especially, you're a really pretty girl. You're a really, really pretty girl. And that was a form of praise and validation that I got. And I I don't want to say it fucked me up. I think in many ways it um, supported my self-confidence, but in other ways it maybe kind of like 
attached my identification and my value a little too much to my appearance, not in the way that I, you know, try to make a career <laughs> five foot four, five foot five, like athletic build. Like it's, I'm, it's not like I was going to be a model. It's not like that was, I, it's not like that's what I thought, but it was like, it was such a big part of my identification and my, my positive worth. Um, you know, that, that I think later on, um, I think about it a lot. I think about like, well, you know, why is plastic surgery important to me? That's why I had to do that. I had to do a deeper dive personally on a psychological level, just to think about my why. But anyway, so that's an example, right. Of like how I've had to like, I don't want to just tell my daughter she's pretty. I don't want her to, um, have ingrained in her mind on a conscious and subconscious level that that is her worth. Her worth is, it's not her appearance. She's cute. She's a very, very pretty girl and she's going to be a pretty, a pretty young woman, but like, that is not how I want her to attach her, her value. So, and, and so, so in this day and age, going back to kind of like the setting in which we live, it's, and this is the collective we, we live in this crazy media saturated environment where kids, whether you allow them to scroll or go through your phone or not, they're going to see stuff. And my daughter sees Taylor Swift. I I don't actually know. I mean, I think, I think she sees, she certainly sees artists when they pop up on in my car when we listen to music. Um, I remember one time, (laughs) this is like a year ago, she saw Faith Hill and lost her shit that she didn't look like Faith Hill. Again, another blonde, fairer, fairer, like lighter skinned woman. And uh, that was hard. That was a hard conversation and um, kind of a tough tantrum because it's like, and at that time, I hadn't really thought this through. And I think I, I was, I don't know, you're prettier than Faith Hill. I don't think I said that actually. I, I think that I was evolved enough that I did not say that. But anyway, there, there are three primary mechanisms that I've found have really helped me. And that through some just casual conversations with the head of uh, my kid's school, who has a neuroscience background, has validated. And um, and I want to kind of talk through them. Now, the first one, and I think we've all heard, the, those of us who give a shit about raising kids or talking about it, like if you're a parent, you hopefully care. And if you're not a parent, you probably heard it, that, you know, kids learn, they, they learn from what we do, not from what we say. And oh my God, is that true? Is that true? I mean, except for, you know, the things that my children repeat that they hear from me, that they learn from me. That's fun. But there's there's something really cool about our brains. And we have these things called mirror neurons, literally mirror neurons. They these These guys fire when we observe an action in others and when we mimic that action. And so what happens when these mirror neurons get crazy, get excited is they activate existing neural pathways associated with that action. And so as we do that action more with repeated practice, we strengthen those pathways and create new connections between neurons, which helps us to understand and better understand and perform that action in the future. So my first mechanism, my first tactic in their three, I like to do things in three, is leading by example. This is tricky because I like makeup. I like clothes. I like fashion. I really care about my physical fitness. 
my primary impetus for physical fitness is to feel good, for my body to be healthy and happy and for me to have energy. But feeling like I have a fit looking body and knowing of a fit looking body, I think it's just like, it's the aesthetic nature of how we operate as humans. We like to, you know, we're, we're visual people. And that's, that's a, that's, that is, um, that is a primary driver for why I'm getting my surgeries, surgery, whatever my set of procedures this Friday is because I'm like, look, I know I have a six pack. You can't see it because of the extra skin on my body, but Anyway, like I, so, so admittedly, then I mentioned this in my reel, like they, I have a vain streak because vanity is like, I am vain. Um, I don't attach my worth to my appearance, but for me, for me, it is important. Now I'm married. I'm not like out trying to like, you know, get ass or like impress men. I don't, I actually like, it's funny. And I think this is where my parents actually did me a tremendous service. I guess I have to back up. Um, there, you know, it's, it's nice to be complimented. It's nice to hear. It's nice. It's nice to be complimented. It's not, it's not shitty, right? It feels good. It, it's, it, you know, it's, it gets the endorphins or, you know, the oxytocin. It's, it's an, it's a feel good thing. But I like to look a certain way for me, for me. Like if my husband doesn't like, I mean, I'll ask him for his opinion on things, but if I feel differently, I'm going to do it my way, 100%, 100%. Actually, funny enough, and maybe this is something that I have to dive deeper in. Maybe I need some talk therapy for this, but the one person whose opinion really matters is my daughter's. So like we, uh, she asks me about why I have short hair or why I do this and you know, Ariel has long hair. Why is my hair short? So we have conversations. So I, I do, or, um, she, she's also told me one time because I'm a sweatpants and t-shirt, braless t-shirt kind of gal at school pickup. And she's asked me before to look prettier at school when I pick her up. That was a fun conversation. But so she, funny enough, like my daughter's the person whose opinion and comments preoccupy me the most or I care most about. Otherwise it's like, I do this for myself and, uh, and I'm, I'm a girly girl. I'm a girl's girl and I'm a girly girl. So it's hard for me when I think about leading by example and inspiring and guiding my daughter with my actions, because yeah, I, I blow dry the hair, I put on the makeup and I like clothes and, um, I guess not well enough for, you know, from her standpoint, <laughs> but how do I lead in a certain way that, um, that inspires her in a positive, in a positive capacity. And so this is where I think tending to my body and tending to, tending to myself really become important. I, as I'm a very physically active person, I do my yoga and my Pilates and my berries. And this is like my fuel on so many levels. It's, um, it's like my religion is I, I, it's, it's what keeps my, my, my mind going, my body thriving. And so my, with my children, I talk about it, not in a, an obsessive manner, but I'll say, well, mommy's going to go work out after I drop you off. Um, or, you know, I need, um, I need 20 minutes. I'm going to do some yoga or some Pilates. And so they see this, they from, oh gosh, from the days they were babies, they were like, I mean, my, they'd be on my back and I'd be in plank or, you know, my, they're doing downward dog under me. So they've witnessed that. So I feel like for all the kind of more like cosmetic slash like artificial stuff that they see me do, hopefully they see me do enough positive things from uh, the standpoint of physical activity and, you know, eating well, sleeping, getting your sleep. We talk about sleep and water and all these things that we do to our bodies to nourish our bodies. And, um, and so, so 
action. I just want them to see me. And this goes beyond um, body image stuff. This goes into, even though my, my job looks different than daddy's, I talk about mommy's work. Mommy's workspace. Mommy has to sit down and do work because I want the, I want my daughter to see that I wasn't always a stay at home mom. That I I have my own stuff, and I want my son to see the same because I want him to be the kind of partner one day that my husband is, who respects and supports his partner's um, vocation and livelihood, whether you know whether it's male or female. So so I think. Our actions are by far, by far the most powerful ways that uh, the, the most powerful way that we can um, that we can really like shape them. Because again, those mirror neurons—it's incredibly powerful how how they take in information. It's just so much more potent than the words. That said, talking—oh my gosh, I um, I'm a very aware of of uh my I don't want to say call it a preoccupation but my mindfulness of my fitness my health because I believe um side note like I, I just believe my body shows me how healthy it is the stuff I'm getting done on Friday that's stuff that's beyond my my control I can't like like the skin and the and the boobs like it that I mean that's like you gotta cut like that's that's outside my scope but um, so anyway, I'm going to, I'm going to bring an example. So the way I talked to my daughter about my surgery. So I do not shame anyone. We don't talk about, um, you know, if someone, if someone is bigger and my, my children comment on it, we just talk about how we're all different. You know, um, I don't, even if I, even if I feel like I'm having an off day, I have bags under my eyes, I don't comment on that. I very, very diligent about not saying anything negative about myself. Uh, neutral, yeah. Neutral, matter of fact, yeah. But not. It's not like oh, I look like shit or oh, oh, look at this pooch. So anyway, so I had to explain to my daughter. I, I basically, I uh, this is maybe two weeks ago, and I explained to her that um, I am going to go to the uh, to, to the doctor. I'm going to have surgery, and for several days after that surgery, I, as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to be, I'm going to look a little different, and I'm going to have big band-aids on my body and we're just going to have to be really careful about the dog not jumping on me etc and she said well, okay well why why you get surgery mom and i said well you know what honey when you when a when a mom has a baby this is what happens to her body and you know we have photos i have frame photos of me pregnant with both my children and and i said you know your body stretches you know we talked about balloons stretching whatever stretching and i said you know mommy mommy's body inside like the muscles and everything got back to normal but look look what happened after your brother was born uh-oh there was some extra skin and in classic kira fashion she like sat up on my bathroom counter and like lifted her shirt and had her like adorable five-year-old like girl belly and she said oh and you want it to be smooth like this and not bumpy like that nodding and i I think I giggled. I may have died laughing, but um, I was like, "That is exactly right." And then I told her, "You know, sweetie, this is just because that's what that's what mom wants. That's what I want." And but it's okay. Like I I don't have to do this. I don't have to do it at all. I could just leave it because look. And then I just showed her. I'm like, "This is this is perfectly fine." 
but I just, you know, I, 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 sh- I should have come up with something a little more clever in the moment about like, I don't know, like, why don't you want extra skin? And I would love to hear feedback. Um, but because I didn't want to denounce that, right? It's uh, for some time until I decided to get this procedure, I was going with, I'm going to wear this extra skin like my badge of honor because I'm proud of and blessed with the fact that I was able to carry my kids, carry my kids and nurse my kids up top. When I showed my surgeon my pre-children breasts, he was shocked. <laughs> Maybe not shocked. He was like, "Oh yeah, you you did have a lot of a lot more tissue at one time." I didn't know this could happen. I guess knew it could. Um, I, I guess I've been I've been a little surprised uh, by the amount by which my breast tissue has decreased. But um, but yeah, it's I nursed my kids. My God, I am so proud of that. But again, going back to my why, which I cover in my you know two minute long reel from last week, this is just an important thing for me. I'm doing this because I'm accepting that it's important. That's part of my self acceptance is accepting that this is important. So my se- the second tenet here is talking, talking positively or neutrally. My the second point kind of rolls into my third point. I'm cheating a little bit, but it is the way in which we acknowledge. And respond to what our children say. When my daughter came out with um, light eyeshadow all over her face because she wanted to look like Taylor Swift, and um, she uh, she said light lighter is better. I was stunned, and I had to stop for a second because um i didn't know how to, how to react or how to respond in the moment and i think what i ended up saying was honey you have such beautiful skin and i understand right now you're taylor swift but i want you to understand that you are so beautiful and you're you you're kira and you're special and there's nobody else on the planet like you just like there's nobody else on the planet like taylor swift and um it was something to that effect. It was it was that general message, and um, we made a deal. I I I said, you know, you can you can have this on, but maybe next time you do your makeup, so pretty. Um, can we can we use your own skin? And um, a few weeks later, I I had a sidebar conversation with our head of school, whom I mentioned um, has a neuroscience background, and she gave me the best advice, which is all about neutrality, and she's like. Yeah, don't don't denounce don't denounce this uh, her actions or her comments. You got to be neutral. So she comes out with light with light skin, kind of plastered or light like pigment on her face. You say, "Oh my gosh, that's so that's so fun. That's so cool. What other colors can we try?" Just to neutralize it. And I I love that advice because it's not about putting her on a pedestal and like saying, "Oh, you're better than Taylor Swift," or "Darker is better than lighter." That's not what we're going for here. We're going for just pure self-love and acceptance. And we only get there when we acknowledge and honor all of our differences. And so to go a step further, what Wendy had said to me was like, we got to celebrate all the differences. This goes beyond physical. Obviously, my daughter right now and I are preoccupied on the physical, but it really is when you when you broaden it beyond just the physical and to just to capture everyone's differences, like the fact that okay, Kira, your brother's learning Spanish. I speak Russian and Spanish. You speak Chinese, Kira, and some Russian. We all speak English. 
we you, we have these differences, we have these commonalities. And so this is some, this is a practice that I'm bringing into my family is just like very consciously and intentionally discussing and celebrating differences and commonalities because we all have both with each other, right? Um, so that's how I've thought about it. This obviously is, it's a work it's a work that's going to continue to evolve over the course of my life, right? Well into my kids' adulthood, into my old age, older age. But um, particularly this conversation around my surgery, um, my conversations and my actions uh, with respect to physical appearance have become very top of mind for me. I would love to hear feedback and thoughts, especially because I'm raising a raising a daughter who's of a different skin tone, a skin tone who, which by the way, I would love to have. I've always wanted to be like darker and more tan, but um, you know, UV rays and uh, skin cancer. I I would love to he- learn from those who've had experience. Um, I'm so grateful <laughs> to live in a, the world where we do, where having Like even just like seeing my husband with our daughter, they are of the opposite end of the spectrum of my spectrum of color in my family. I love that they don't get looks. I'm sure they get looks some places. Maybe when we were in Kentucky, I don't know. Maybe actually, I don't even know if they did because we saw like we saw a lot of different people in Kentucky, which was really cool when we went there as a family last May. But um, I'm just grateful to live in this day and age, and I know. In many parts of the world and in many pockets of um, society, we have a lot of evolution to do. But where we are, what where I am right now physically, where my kids are in school and the people in our community, oh my God, I'm so grateful. So an open call for feedback. Um, this is a big one for me because it's one that I'm navigating in real time. Just to kind of recap three ways in which you can really make an impact, whether it's a very specific tricky topic with your children or just kind of generally like, remember, they learn through our actions. We can say all the words, all the right words, but if we're living and acting differently, it really doesn't matter. Second, with respect to body image specifically, cut out the shame, even if you're feeling it, even if you're having a hard day, like don't Try your best not to vocalize it because they pick it up. They are our mirrors, our microphones. <laughs> and third, acknowledge and neutralize. Acknowledge their comments and 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 just you don't have to like refute it. Let it be. Neutralize it. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been uh, just an honor to be able to share something so sensitive. I know I've gone deep and uh, personal the last couple of sessions. Um, and I will be sharing my journey, my transformation journey on Instagram. Not, I mean, not in detail, but you know, I'm sure I'm going to be like thirsty for like just some interaction. Um, and I'm be interesting. I'll be hopped up on painkillers too for a couple of days, but uh, hopefully not too long. Anyway, all my love to you this fine Monday. Take care. <laughs>